are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I am your teacher, Mr. Pachiti, and this is my classroom here in Manchester, England. So put away your mobile phones, put away your noble queens. It's time to concentrate, it's time to study. This is raw, and this is graded. We are kicking things off with the man, the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. She is crazy excited to be back in the UK and she's ready to face for the women's tag team titles. Wait. What? We'll get back to that in a second. Good little promo here, as you would expect. She hypes the match at Survivor Series with Shayna and Bailey, and she says that the only thing that she fears in life is not being the greatest. So she is ready to become once again Becky Two Belts. Yeah, right here, right now, tag team action. So out comes Charlotte Flair, her tag team partner for tonight. They're taking on, of course, the Kabuki Warriors, and this makes no sense. No sense. I get that Becky Lynch is really good. I get that. Of course I do. And I wouldn't have a problem with her being a women's tag team champion. However, cast your minds back to last week when the Kabuki Warriors were defeated by the already thrown together team of Charlotte Flair and Natalia. Natalia. What has Becky done to receive this opportunity? I should point out that there was nothing wrong with the match itself. In fact, I enjoyed the match, but it doesn't make sense. It was obviously there to create more intensity leading to Survivor Series for the women's triple threat match with Shayna, Bailey, Becky Lynch. Shayna and Bailey popping up later in the match. I'll get to that too. But that intensity could have been created in so many other ways, like 10 billion other ways rather than this match happening. Becky's in control for the first portion of the match. She then tags in Charlotte Flair and it seems as if there's no animosity. They're just best buddies despite all of the history between those two. And then Kyrie Sane, great moment here where she's laying in the chops on Charlotte Flair. Chop, 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 
chop. Charlotte completely no-selling and then takes down Kyrie with a single chop of her own. Like that. Fast forward a bit, Asuka and Charlotte Flair are going at it in the ring when all of a sudden the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler has jumped the barricade and is watching on from outside the ring. Fast forward a bit more, Becky is the legal woman, but Shayna Baszler gets up on the apron to distract Becky, but Shayna Baszler is then taken out by Bailey on the outside. This distraction leads to a roll-up, Becky Lynch eating the pin, and Team Undeserving has lost the match. After the match, Bailey trashes Becky Lynch at ringside, Shayna Baszler just walks away, and the battle lines have been drawn. Woo. So it's nice to see Bailey a little bit more heavily involved in this, because after Raw last week, she sort of felt like a third wheel. Not so much SmackDown, but following Raw anyway. And normally, because the match itself was good, I'd give this like a B minus, but I'm going to drag that all the way down to a C minus because this match should have never happened to begin with. This match was less about a match and more about a continuation of an angle. However, the exact same could have been achieved by just putting Becky in a singles match. The tag match didn't need to happen. Becky Lynch hadn't earned that title shot. We complain all the time about wins and losses not mattering, and this is the perfect example of that. In fact, Natalia slid into my DMs this morning, and she was in bloody tears. She was absolutely gutted. That's not true, but still. Hashtag justice for Natalia. Can't believe I'm saying that. Drew McIntyre versus Sin Cara is up next in a teaching Sin Cara a lesson for publicly requesting his release from the company on a pole match. Alright, I know it was recorded last week before he requested the release. Shut up. And what we saw here was essentially just a six or seven minute squash match. Sure, Sin Cara got in a little bit of offense, but not much at all. This was basically just Drew McIntyre battering him all over the place, because why the hell not? This achieved absolutely nothing. We already know that Drew McIntyre is a total brute. Just look at the guy. So to have him essentially squash somebody who made his return just a few weeks ago and didn't win a single match, meaningless. Part of me thinks that, hey, maybe it's kind of nice that Drew McIntyre picked up a dominant win in a country where he did so much, he did so much for the British wrestling scene. But at the same time, it just felt like a waste of time. If Sin Cara had won one match, maybe I could forgive this. But he didn't, so I can't. It gets a C minus. Samir and Sunil Singh are up next, taking on R-Truth in a 24-7 title match. I guess every match involving the champion is a 24-7 title match, because that's that's sort of the point of the whole thing. That's not true, actually, because they suspended it, didn't they? Back on SmackDown with Elias. That was great. It's a two-on-one handicap match. The Sings gang up on R-Truth, lots and lots of showboating, and then Truth takes control. He's gonna do it! 22-time champion! No. Instead, Samir grabs the belt and both sings, peg it up the ramp to backstage. The match is called off and R-Truth gives chase. They've gone into the women's locker room, but R-Truth doesn't want to go in there because he's not a filthy pervert. Instead, it all ends up a little bit further down the corridor in Eric Rowan's changing room. Big mistake. Rowan predictably ends up decimating both of the Singh brothers. He picks up a big Argos sofa and nails them with it. And Truth comes in and he's just like, Nope, don't want any of that. Doesn't even try for a pinfall. That's your lot. I thought that this was going to devolve into both of the Singh brothers exchanging pins because the 24-7 title is more important to them than their friendship. But instead, what we got was this. 
whatever it was. It wasn't as bad as I'm making out. It gets a C plus. At least it wasn't just another backstage segment which ends with a roll up. It was a bit more fresh than that. And it did achieve something in making Eric Rowan look like a total beast who can lift really heavy furniture. So at least there's that. Next up, it's time to burn it down. It's Seth Rollins and he is getting booed out of the building because people in Manchester don't have as much money as Seth Rollins. Seth says it's no secret that he thinks that he is the best wrestler on the planet. And I'm not going to make a joke about that because in ring, he's absolutely terrific. He's certainly up there. Anyway, he lays out an open challenge. Anyone brave enough in the back to come and burn it down with me, Seth Rollins? Get the hell out here. And who answers the challenge? Walter. Oh, yes. Seth accepts Walter's challenge, despite the fact that he laid out the challenge. That was a bit weird, wasn't it? And we've got our match, Seth Rollins versus Walter. And this is going to be bloody great, isn't it? No. No, it's not. They go at it for a bit. Rollins nails a sling blade and then Walter catches him and nails a great German suplex and then locks him in a single leg Boston Crab. And I love watching Walter wrestle. He's so much fun to wrestle because he's so unique. He feels different to absolutely everyone else on the roster. So things are really picking up at this point. Seth is very much going to burn it down. He's looking to finish things when all of a sudden, Imperium storm the ring, lay into Seth, and it's a DQ after like four or five minutes. What a wasted opportunity. Seth Rollins had just claimed to be the best wrestler in the world. And I know from a kayfabe standpoint, it's not Seth's fault that Imperium stormed the ring. It's not his fault there was a DQ. It's not Seth's fault that he didn't win the match. But what did this achieve? It lasted less than five minutes. It was so underwhelming. In fact, I'll tell you what it achieved. It set up a pointless tag match. Holla holla. Walter, the NXT UK champion, now looks like a guy who needs backup to hang with the big boys. Way to push NXT UK, guys. Good job. Anyway, the Street Profits storm the ring and then Kevin Owens. It sets up an eight-man tag. The Street Profits, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins taking on all of Imperium in a match that's just not going to be as good as if they they should have just given Seth and Walter like 10-15 minutes and it would have been great and we wouldn't be complaining. I wouldn't be complaining. Complaining. Lots of complaining this episode. Thanks for watching. As for the match itself, in fairness, some pretty fun moments. And one thing that I did like about this is that it presented Imperium as a proper unit, constantly tagging in and out and nailing some really innovative tag offense. They came across as four guys who were meant to be together, which is the whole point, right? Yeah, until they lost. So towards the end of the match, Team Raw managed to get all of Imperium outside of the ring, and then Kevin Owens hits Alexander Wolfe, the man who remains in the ring with a swanton. Seth Rollins hits him with a curb stomp, and that's your lot. Team Raw win. I'm not sure what to make of this. One thing that I hated about it, and this seems like such a minor criticism, is that Alexander Wolfe was the guy to eat the pin. As I say, this sounds really, really minor. However, Sanity's run on the main roster was so unbelievably botched and then you've got all of these casual fans watching and they might be like, oh yeah, I remember that guy, That's Sanity, was it? was it? Was it Sanity? And then he's the guy who eats the pin. It's like, oh, okay, he was, he was rubbish. He was rubbish there, he's rubbish now. I won't bother watching NXT UK. I don't know, it's cool that Imperium got to be on Raw, but to have Walter not able to burn it down hard enough and then Imperium to lose two back-to-back -back losses, Ah, not a fan at all. I sort of wish they just hadn't done it. Gonna give this a C plus because the tag match did have its fun moments, but it's just another example of a thrown together team defeating an established team and I'm exhausted by it. 
And I think it was just a bad advert for NXT UK. They gave me no reason to watch. Wait a second. Walter and Imperium hadn't lost a match yet, had they? They were undefeated. And they've just ruined that in some thrown together eight man tag on Raw for absolute. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. No reason. Bollocks to the grade. Right, this gets a D minus. I'm in a bad mood today. Andrade versus Cedric Alexander is up next in a match that should have been really good, but just wasn't. Mostly because of time constraints, I guess. Everything just felt super rushed here. There were some cool spots here. One that springs to mind was a great Tope Suicida by Cedric, who sent Andrade flying like a mile up the ramp. Later on, Andrade managing to wriggle out of the lumbar check. And then later on, still, Zelina Vega gets her little hands dirty, grabbing Cedric's foot, causing the distraction. Hammerlock DDT, Andrade picks up the win. Giving this a B minus, which may sound really generous given how short it was. But one thing that I'm really, really enjoying about about Andrade is his partnership with Zelina Vega. I think they're so good together, so tremendously entertaining. It's a modernized version of the old school wrestling manager, and it's great to see it on TV because it's something that WWE simply don't do enough of. WWE for a long time have underutilized wrestling managers. I'm not sure why, Vince, but when Zelina Vega is out there, she feels genuinely useful. She feels like an important component of Andrade's matches. More of that, please. More wrestling managers. That said, should have still had five more minutes. Anyway, Lana's out next, and she's here with a shocking revelation against the advice and the wishes of the love of her life, Bob. She says that seven weeks ago, her and Bobby Lashley doinked for the first time, and it was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sex. That's her words, not mine. She can't stop thinking about it, and bloody hell, the crowd are crapping all over this segment, and so they should. In fact, they actually cut away to the crowd at one point during this segment, and all of the fans are either just sat there, like that, arms crossed, or they're on their phones. They couldn't give a toss, and nor can I. And then Lana reveals that she is nine weeks pregnant. I don't know why I'm drawing this out. It's the title of the video. Lana is pregnant, and it's nine weeks, which means it's not Bob's, it's Rusev's. It's a matchka baby. <sighs> Lana starts having a bit of a breakdown because she's got a new boyfriend now. Rusev is old news, and also she's getting fat. Out comes Rusev, which does at least pick up the crowd a little bit. The crowd are chanting, Daddy's home, Daddy's home. Rusev says to Lana, you're trying to manipulate this situation, which, long story short, Lana starts, boom, boom, slap, 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 slap. 
and then out comes Bob. So Bobby ends up laying out Rusev and he's smiling ear to ear because who wouldn't be happy that their partner is pregnant with another man's child? Mm -mm -mm. There's a reason he's smiling. It was all a bloody ruse. It was all a ruse. They go to the top of the ramp and Lana's like, I can't believe he believed me. <laughs> we got one over on him, didn't we? And then they start getting off. And that's your lot. Mm. This gets an E. In recent weeks, I actually thought that Lana's promos had been pretty good, but she was not on form on Raw this week at all. You don't need me to explain why this is bad, do you? I don't mind soap opera storylines in wrestling, but this whole thing just hasn't been entertaining. It's been unpleasant to watch, and I pray to the wrestling gods, Vince, Vince, listen to me, that this ends at Survivor Series, because if not, they might drag it out a little bit further, and that would be an absolute travesty, because it's just bad. It's, it's just bad. And you know what? With the focus being on Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT at Survivor Series, I think this is going all the way to the end of the year. Vince! Next up, Eric Rowan is taking on local talent Sonna Derson. As Eric makes his way to the ring, we see that he's got like a cat carrier or something with him. It's draped in material, so you can't see what's in there. But he's doing baby talk to it. He lays it on the commentary team's desk and they're all terrified of it. They don't know what's in there and apparently it's moving. Who knows what it is? Maybe it's Lana's other baby, little Eric Jr. That's my bet. Rowan tosses Sonna all over the shop yelling, don't you know who I am? Like Bully Ray. Do you know who I am? Uh, it doesn't last long at all, like a minute or so. He batters him, picks him up, iron claw, one, two, three, that's your last shock. Eric Rowan's won. I'm gonna give this a B minus because actually, I quite like the whole mystery thing. That's the sort of thing that me as a wrestling fan anyway, keeps me tuning in each week. We've seen it numerous times before when like Kane had the little burlap sack and it turned out to be Rey Mysterio's mask. That was a bit underwhelming, but I like stuff like this. I like the mystery and I think it's a good hook to get people watching week in, week out. And I didn't even mind the squash match, which I know makes me sound like a hypocrite because I spend all of my time on these videos whinging about the Viking Raiders squashing jobbers here and there. But I actually think it sort of works for Eric Rowan and it kicked off a storyline too. There was, it wasn't just a backstage promo. Eric needs it more than the Viking Raiders is what I'm saying. The Viking Raiders are very much past squash matches, whereas Eric Rowan, he had the tag team loss recently and then he came over to Raw. Maybe he needs to be reestablished as a bit of a monster and I think it worked here. Speaking of the Viking Raiders, it's now time for them to take on the NXT UK team of Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews in non-title action. If you're unfamiliar, Andrews and Webster are two clean as a whistle baby faces. They're tremendously entertaining. I think they're really great. They're former NXT UK tag team champions for about a week or so. And most importantly, they are losers because they're squaring off against the Viking Raiders. And the only time that you can beat the Viking Raiders is in Saudi Arabia. That's how it works. I'm not bitter about losing that predictions contest, honestly. In fairness, this wasn't quite a squash match, which is, I think, what I was expecting. Instead, the bell rings and Morgan and Webster go straight at them fast and furious. They even managed to take them off their feet. There's some cool dives to the outside and also they managed to get a near fall. So good job, lads. But they, they did still lose, obviously. That's right, the flurry of offense doesn't last for very long at all as the Viking Raiders take control and then hoist them up. Viking experience, that's your lot. But I actually quite enjoyed this. I think the two teams had great chemistry. I don't know if they wrestled before. I imagine they probably have. Webster and Andrews have been on the UK scene for a long time now and War Raiders a few years ago were over here quite a lot. And I would also argue that this did a lot more to promote NXT UK than the Imperium stuff did earlier in the night. It gets a B-, even in defeat, Webster and Andrews 
looked all right, didn't they? I don't think any of us were expecting them to charge the Viking Raiders as soon as the bell rang, and they got a bit of offense in, all of which was quite exciting, quite entertaining to watch. Sure, I would have liked to have seen an NXT UK star pick up a win on Raw. I think that would have been really helpful, but the focus, as I say, is very, very much on Raw, SmackDown, and full fat NXT. No offense, NXT UK. Sorry. Main event time and it's six-man tag action. A lot of tag team matches on Raw this week. It's like a bloody episode of AEW Dynamite or something. Anyway, it's Umberto Carrillo, Ricochet and Randy Orton taking on the OC. I think this was probably my favorite match of the night. Everybody got a little bit of a chance to shine. Except for Randy Orton, who obviously did some headlocks and arm locks and stuff. I'm kidding. He was actually good here. Played his role very well. So the story here, following some backstage segments earlier in the night, is that Randy Orton really, really doesn't like Little Trev. He does, he's not a Ricochet fan. He's not a Ricochet fan, not one bit. And that played into the match quite well, in fact. Randy Orton refusing to tag in Ricochet, instead tagging Umberto Carrillo in very hard. There was a bit of an argument between Little Trev and Randy Orton during the match. And essentially... Mr. RKO just being a big grumpy snake. The heels start taking control, they're cutting the ring in half, they're making regular tags, all sensible stuff. One thing that the Survivor Series build has done really well is make the OC seem like a cohesive unit and a big deal. They feel like stars again, and it's been a long time since the OC have felt like stars, with the exception of AJ, obviously, because he's AJ. Things pick up as Orton gets tagged in. There's a sentence I never thought I was going to say, and I love the finish to this match. We're skipping forward. The finish is Randy Orton looks like he's going to hit Ricochet with an RKO, but he turns... AJ eats the RKO, and then Umberto Carrillo goes up top, moonsault, one, two, three, a huge win for Umberto Carrillo, pinning the US champion. After the match, Orton says he does what he wants, when he wants, to whoever he wants, to Ricochet, and then walks away without laying a finger on him. Fascinating stuff. Really enjoyed this one, it gets a B plus. It was the highlight of the night for me, which is, I guess, what a main event probably should be. I do have the same criticism that I had earlier, I need to point out, that thrown together teams shouldn't be beating established teams. However, this time around I'm willing to forgive it a little bit because there was some benefits here. So Umberto Carrillo probably needed a win at this point and he got a huge win pinning AJ Styles. That's a, a big thing and it sets up a match down the line. And also I'm just fascinated, really, really interested by this Ricochet Randy Orton stuff because I think there's a great little feud to be had there. As long as Orton puts Ricochet over, please. Overall, this episode of Raw gets a C- because, let's face it, it was a bit of a stinker, wasn't it? There was a lot that didn't make much sense and there was a lot that was just quite bad as well. The Rusev, Bobby, Lashley, Lana stuff quite bad. Becky getting a women's tag title shot for no reason. I consider that quite bad as well. And Imperium, well, they look like proper mugs, don't they, lads? Hmm. Anyway, WWE, thanks for coming to my country for a Raw and a SmackDown taping, and apologies to anyone who bought tickets for that show. What do you call a nervous javelin thrower? Shakespeare. Thanks for watching. Let us know what you think in the comments down below. You can follow us on Twitter at Cultaholic. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cultaholic. If you enjoy what we do here at Cultaholic, you can pledge to us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Cultaholic. And most importantly, don't forget to hit subscribe and join us. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.